In China, in the late 1940s, there came a new regime, and it absolutely transformed that great population into an imprisoned nation, and that nation became so imprisoned in communism that even today it is a very insular nation and one that most of the world fears. But there was one man who didn't fear communism, nor did he fear the atheistic leadership of Mao Zedong and all his gang of many. It was Watchman Nee, a Chinese man, a man that believed in the presence, the power, and most of all, the word of God. He preached that word. He sought God in prayer. He had a tremendous effect in China, even though the darkness was covering the whole nation. Watchman Nee was persecuted. He went to prison. He died in prison for his faith. He was denied any visitors except his wife, and when she died, one of the family came to see him every so often. They notified the family, and the authorities that is, and said, Watchman Nee is dead. And so his sister-in-law went, and when she got to the concentration camp, she was told that he'd already been, well, in a very, very unceremonious way, he'd been cremated, just thrown out, without any regard whatsoever for reverence of the man and all he stood for, burnt to ash. And they offered to show her the bowl of ashes. But she believed, as Watchman Nee believed, that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Watchman Nee gave us a terrific oversight in the book of Ephesians. He wrote a very small book, and it was very, very uniquely titled, Sit, Walk, Stand. We've talked about that before. Sit, walk, stand. And those three words figure prominently in the whole book of Ephesians. Our place in Christ is one of rest, reliance, confidence, and absolute faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. So we are seated in heavenly places with him. Now, of course, when writing to the Hebrews, whoever was the writer, and may have indeed been the Apostle Paul, but whoever wrote under the inspiration of the Spirit, wrote these words about Christ, who is the brightness of the Father's glory, the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Christ sat down because the work was not only finished, but it was accepted by the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And so uh, we sit down in reliance and confidence that all our redemption payments have been paid in full. And so when you're tempted to worry about yourself and you see aspects of your nature that trouble you, 
make you feel a little bit less than perfect, less than even, well, what you want to be, realistically. You want to be holy. You want to love the things that God loves. You want to hate those things that he despises. And oftentimes we're confronted by our nature, which still clings to the old life. And then what happens is that we get guilt-ridden, or we get uncertain, or we get shaky, or we get somehow insecure. And then anxiety comes into our unprotected soul. But we are to rely on that one fact, that Christ totally, completely and utterly purchased our salvation. And when that purchase price was paid, God raised him from the dead, which was an endorsement of all that Jesus had done on the cross. He raised him for our justification. And then, of course, he ascended into glory and sits at the Father's right hand, waiting for his enemies to come to his footstool. And so we have this amazing, wonderful understanding that as we abide in him, we don't have to fear all the frailties of our nature. We don't have to fear all those falsities that we know that are in our personality, all the lies that we tell ourselves and are told to us by even seducing spirits. We absolutely, and in a very deliberate way, extract ourselves from all those alien voices that are saying to you, you're no good. God doesn't love you. He's disappointed in you. He thinks that you're a failure. Well, Martin Luther thought that and felt that very often. He often had visitations of a satanic being. And once this evil spirit came into his bedroom when he was stirring from sleep and said to him, you are a sinner, you have done this, you are doing that, this is your nature, it's dark, it's sinister, you're not changed. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God came upon Martin Luther and he sat bolt upright in bed and he said, Satan, everything you say may have some vestige of truth, but I want to tell you something, that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses from all sin. Get out of this room. And you indeed can say with me, and I often have to say it. Depart from me, Satan. I do not want you. You do not belong in my life, in my mind, in my thinking. I am washed in the atoning blood of Jesus Christ, and I am sitting with him in heavenly places. And that's exactly what we read here in the second chapter of Ephesians. God who is rich in mercy. You see, you can't buy mercy. Mercy is the free gift that God initiates and gives to us because he loves us. And that's what the scripture says. He is rich in mercy because of his great love for which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses. 
I don't know what your sins were. I know what mine were. I know where I was heading in sin. I had an appetite for sin. I had an enjoyment in sin. Even as a young teenager, it fascinated me. But then the darkness rolled away because the light had come. And we were, you were, me, everybody, everyone that believes in Christ, we were raised up together and he made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So get comfortable, believing friend, because you're sitting down in the finished, completed, and utterly perfect work of Jesus' redemption. He sat down, and because he sat down, you can sit down, you can rest in the Lord. And this was fundamental in Watchman Nee's life. He saw that as the basis and the necessary foundation of all things spiritual. How can you believe God to answer prayer if you're not confident that you're right with God? How can you expect peace in the midst of your storms if you feel that there's something between you and the Lord? And and let me add, there will be times when there are things that are between you and the Lord. There will be decisions you make. There will be attitudes that you have. There will be words that you've spoken that are not pleasing to him. But again, we have the promise of the scriptures. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that's the thrill and peace and the joy and the liberty and the security we have when we sit in heavenly places in Christ. But then we're told that we are to walk. You know, we're not just sitting around lazily waiting for heaven to dawn, for Jesus to come. And we'll be idle until that time. Or we'll just suit ourselves and do our own thing until he appears. Oh, no. No, we are called to walk. And the Bible says we are to walk worthy of Christ. Worthy of the calling that we have. And what is the calling? That we might be like him. We are called unto holiness. Now, let me just read you a beautiful scripture found in the Ephesian letter in the fifth chapter and verse two. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering, a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. So we're to walk in a way, and it can often be a sacrificial way. But we don't do it grudgingly. We don't do it with regret. We don't do it with complaining. We walk because we are so enraptured with the fact that he gave himself for us. The supreme offering 
the supreme sacrifice to the Father. And in our walk daily, we walk before God. And our walk is to be similarly a sweet-smelling aroma. And by contrast, chapter 5 and verse 3 says, the dark things of our lives are to be turned against. Verse 3, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be named among you as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish chattering. You know, talking about things that don't matter. Have you ever gone to a gathering, to church maybe, or to a party or a dinner, and you've sat down with fellow Christians, and after a while you begin to think, this is aimless conversation. This is rubbish. What are we talking about? Shallow things. How much a man makes. How much glory they have in the eyes of the world. How many houses they've accumulated. What advance they have in their, their jobs or their position or education. I mean, it's interesting in passing, but it shouldn't be the sum total of our occupation. Foolish talking, talking about others, gossip in fact. Coarse jesting, it says here in verse 4. What's that? Telling the risque joke. Making fun of people. In some way, sending people up, which the Bible says is not fitting. But rather we should be focusing on the things of God. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. So we walk in a way that is identifiable as the walk of the believer. But it goes on further. And it says here in verse 8, you once were not in darkness, you once were darkness. You fabricated darkness. You fed off darkness. You imbibed darkness. You loved darkness. But now you are light in the Lord, verse 8. And here's this word again, walk. Walk as children of light. Watchman Nee said very strongly that whatever our place in Christ, where we are complete in him and safe in him, we have to show evidence of that in our daily walk. Finding verse 10 of chapter 5, finding what is the acceptable will of God in our lives having no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather exposing them. Now, you won't be popular. No one will like you when you say to them quietly, graciously, and with wisdom, and with a gentle spirit, according to Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. You will say to them, look, I don't think we should be talking about these things. I don't think we should be saying these things at all. So, they will look at you and say, well, you are very holy, aren't you? Well, I hope so. I hope so. 
That should be the answer. Don't be afraid of holiness. Don't be afraid to adopt or to stand in the, not the seat of the, the scornful, but to stand with those that are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Having no fellowship, verse 11, with the unfruitful works of darkness. For it is a shameful thing to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. We don't want to hear those things. So down in verse 15, we further read, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Hmm, what's that mean? Well, it means we have a guide to teach us, to guide us, to protect us, to keep us on track in our walk. And what would that be? Well, it's very, very, very simple. It's found right here. We are to walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. As we see the darkness coming across the earth and we see people giving themselves to all kinds of licentiousness and becoming engulfed and bound by darkness and feeling deep within themselves they have no hope, they've got no future, so why not live it up and just throw your life with utter abandonment to those things that are so evil? You are of the different disposition. You're not the same. You're saying, hey, I have less time than I thought I did because the signs of the times are that Jesus Christ is coming soon. I want to be ready, but I also want to get other people ready. I want to prepare them for the sudden arrival of Jesus and the rapture of the church. So we are redeeming the time. We are buying up time because the days are evil. Therefore, verse 17, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And be filled with the Spirit, building yourselves up, making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks. Is that your conversation? Is that your focus? Is that where you're looking? Is that your walk? One of positivity, one of looking unto Jesus, walking towards his soon arrival, so that when he comes, you will not be ashamed. And so we go back to our text in the fourth chapter of Ephesians. Paul says, as a prisoner of the Lord, inhibited, I can't go anywhere, I've got to stay within the place and the confinement where I am. But he says, walk worthy of the calling with which you are called. Worthy of the calling. Well, we talked about that before. It's a call to holiness. And he then outlines it in detail, verse 2, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. And I know, I know, I know. <sighs> there are a lot of people you've got to bear with. They irritate you. They drive you nuts. They make you somehow on edge. 
But the Bible says, bear one another in the love of God. Because, you know, the Lord's looking at you and he's looking at me and he's saying, well, I love them and how limited they are and how foolish they are and how inconsistent they are. How one day they're up and excited and zealous and keen and then a set of circumstances comes against them and they're plunged into an abyss. But I love them. And we have to be kind to one another and walk in that kind of love. And the Jewish believers, you know, they found it difficult coping with the ruffians that they saw coming out of the Gentile world who had never had, never had an understanding of the ways of God, the holiness of God, the law of God and the prophets, no knowledge of God. They came as raw as raw could be and they came into the kingdom and while they were zealous, they were ignorant and they weren't very classy the Jewish believers would look at one another and say, we've got to put up with them. Well, walking worthily means loneliness, gentleness, long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavouring, aha, listen to this, verse 3, endeavouring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of Peace, because there is one universal body, one Holy Ghost in you both, one hope, one calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. We were all baptized into the body of Christ, Jew and Gentile. And so we are all one in Christ Jesus. And he is the one God and Father of us all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. So this is the pattern, and this is the motivation, that as we sit in security together, we walk together on this great journey of faith that will ultimately lead us into the very throne room of heaven, where every tribe and every nation will be represented. Men and women of all backgrounds, men and women of all faiths, men and women of all different levels of faith. But the faith only differs. Get this. The faith only differs in its expression. Salvation faith is common to us all. And if they have tasted of the heavenly gift, if those that we find a little bit uncomfortable to walk with have tasted of Christ, then they're your brother, your sister, and you're to walk with them and to love them with a pure heart fervently. For God has loved the whole world and he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes should not perish but have everlasting life. 
That's why we sit together in harmony, security and unity and we walk together in companionship, in fellowship and again in unity. Oh God, make that to be so. Amen. Thank you.